0: All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFB Talk 176. It is Tuesday night. This is when we like to talk to you about whatever you want to talk about in college football. I'm Bob Icaieri. Um, I'm your regular host. There's so much that's happened since this last week, since we, uh, since we last talked. We actually had to have an emergency show given what had happened at Alabama. So anyway, just firing it up, got the tweet out. If you'd like to join the conversation, just hit request in the bottom left. So many things to go over. Let's see here. The first thing I wanted to talk about in the the kind of a conversation of the day, it appears that someone has already leaked the arrival time of EA Sports College Football, the relaunch that has been very hyped up in some quarters of the college football sphere. It's been Gosh, it's been 10 years, over 10 years, since we've had an NCAA football game. The last game was NCAA football 14. Um, for those who weren't around, just as a quick reminder, that was always, the year was always the year after the game came out. So NCAA football 2014 came out actually in 2013, July. So maybe if it'll be, we'll get NCAA football 2025, I guess is what it would be. But July 12th, it appears the leak came from Florida. I may have heard that they are hearing about some of these. The reason that that date seems to be fairly reliable is there are rumors that some of these teams, especially those in the major conferences, were given early looks and kind of a a heads up on what things are going to look like so they can give their tweaks to maybe how they want the game to look. So that's why that sudden leak out of Florida that um, the game is going to launch on July 12th might not be the exact date, but I guess it's coming. People are really excited about it. I'll be 100% honest. I'm a little skeptical. EA hasn't been necessarily the greatest with fans on some of these games. I'm old enough to remember EA on the Commodore 64 when they were like the cool, like rock star company. Their video games back in, gosh, I'm going to date myself, the, the mid 80s, early 80s actually looked like albums. They came in like the old record sleeves. And even though there was like a, a three and a quarter, uh, pardon me, a five and a quarter disc inside. But anyway, I'm not going to nerd out too much out on that. But, you know, some people are hoping for it. I'm just waiting for NIL microtransactions that are going to anger lots of people. So that way people can, uh, can can keep feeding the machine. Let's see here. John, what's going on? How are you? Hey, man.
1: Man, I, I swear I missed one week of this, of, uh, of our uh, CFP talk. And I feel like I missed everything. I missed like two, two different talks within a week and all the craziness. of, of college Well, football. nothing's really
0: happened. There was a championship game and then we all just took a nap.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No no one, no one retired or anything. Yeah, so that'd be
0: crazy, you know? Yeah, it's what's fascinating is to think like we're not even done. I mean, we've now lost, ever since Nick Saban retired, we've had five different programs lose their head coach for various reasons. Some of them have already been replaced. But I think what was most surprising was to lose two head coaches from G5 programs who've become coordinators now at Alabama because. Obviously, uh, Kalen DeBoer left Washington to join Alabama. Jed Fish left Arizona to take over Washington. Brent Brennan left San Jose State to take over Arizona. But now Kane Womack is now going to be the defensive coordinator at Alabama, vacating South Alabama. And then Buffalo's Maurice Lindquist is the next one to leave. Um, So that's going to open up that Mac program as well. There's so many funny echoes to this because all of those programs now have 30-day windows for portal transfers again because – once their head coach leaves including Alabama the moment uh Saban announced his retirement uh suddenly the portal opens up so we're going to kind of see these echoes continue on um particularly I mean and heck we all know there's one I'm going to say likely not 100% I could see w- the way it might not go that way but we're still not even to Michigan which everyone's expecting Harbaugh to to leave Michigan I was there at the I was there at the post game press conference in NRG stadium and he very much made it sound like he's uh he's he wanted to savor the moment but he did not do anything to deny what everyone assumed he was going to do regardless of how the season turned out and that was try to return to the nfl um i want to go ahead and also let up ray he's been patient you would like to join the conversation go ahead and hit request john i know you wanted to add something
1: yeah i actually did have two quick questions for you real quick um you know, first one, really easy question. Uh, who do you think wins the national championship next year? I, I think, you know, you, you definitely predict that one. And uh, part two, a more fun question. Um, for uh, for this new NCAA football game, if there's one feature you want to see in this game, what do you want to see and why? Well,
0: wow, that's a great question on the NCAA football game. I, uh, I just like, I want to see more of what makes each individual, like, stadium special i mean more than just because i mean and maybe i i think my last edition was the first edition on the ps3 so it's been a while i didn't see quite how the final few games went but i just want to see because now the the capacity of these systems is such you know if i'm playing as USC, i want to hear more than just like the fight on song i want to hear more of the songs i want to see like kind of the maybe the horse walking around the sideline i just want to see the capacity the capabilities of these systems kind of um used to make it you know so that if you're playing texas a you see the the how the fans kind of sway in their certain way. you see the core cadets i would just like to see more of that because i'm sure the core game engine there's some there's a lot they can do and there's a lot they I, I, i'm not gonna expect them to do a whole lot more than what's already out there because again i'm not i'm not like a person who plays madden all the time and know what the latest bells and whistles are for like the actual gameplay but i would love to see more of what makes college football special And the more they go into that, I think that would be great. Now the other question, God, who's going to win? Who's going to win next season? Boy, oh boy! I mean, Texas has a really good look right now, especially keeping Queen Ewers, getting some of the transfers they have. I mean, they got Isaiah Bond from Alabama that should step in for Xavier Worthy. They've got a good roster that's returning and momentum. um, You know, Texas is back, but how? You know, can they now take it to the next level? And I am, I know I'm going to get bitten by this one, but I'm pretty interested in seeing how Ohio State does, only because they've returned talent, they've got a good quarterback now from K-State, Quinton uh, Junkins from uh, uh, from Mississippi, and they managed to keep Javon Richardson, so you're going to have an incredible running back tandem back there. Um, it, I'm kind of going with those two. How about you, John.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna ride that risky train with you. I'm gonna, I think Ohio State's my uh, my early pick right now, just because it seems like a lot of those players are coming back and buying in. You know, they got uh, you know a great transfer coming napkins. in quarterback. Do you,
0: need some more napkins? Do you
1: need more napkins? Uh, yeah, um, yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm picking. I'm picking up wings right now for the day. But um, but, uh, but yeah, I uh, yeah, I think Ohio State. You know, they. Um, I think you know that's. I think just of all those factors. I think also it's a very pissed off Ohio State seeing their rival win the championship with all the you know all the things that've been going on. So I think I think for those factors, they got to be my favorite.
0: I'll give one doomsday scenario though for Ohio State. I, I will say because the, the schedule is overall fairly doesn't look too bad, especially their their uh, non conference lineup is like Akron, Western Michigan, Marshall. But October twelfth, they're going to Oregon. And Oregon's also a really strong team, and it's in Austin. if they lose that game, then it'll be very entertaining to see what goes on in Columbus, because then you can only imagine uh, the flack that's going to build up on Ryan Day. But we'll see. Ray, you've been super patient. What's going on?
2: Hey, man, what's going on? It's been a a long time since I hopped in one of these. Um, It's good to to see you're still doing them. Um, I got two things, one kind of non-serious, one serious. The first one, the non-serious. Um, I think someone had mentioned what NCAA feature you'd like to see. I think it would be awesome to see some cool uh, rivalry aspects to the game in terms of uh, outside the gameplay. So, like you know, if you uh, if you are Tennessee and you get three unsportsmanlike conducts at Alabama, you start seeing some uh, some golf balls and bottles of mustard thrown onto the field, or. Uh, <laughs> If you're a ranked rival and you lose on the uh, lose on the road, you don't get to quit out of the game. You have to watch the opposing fans storm the field. I oh, I love fun. that! <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: field storming would be great. I have a feeling. I wonder how much pressure they get for that,
2: but um, to not
0: include it, considering a lot of you know fussier folks are not necessarily fans of it. But that would be a delight, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! And the mustard thing is really funny, or just like stuff raining on the field in general.
3: Yeah, you know, yeah, get the occasional
0: get the occasional like um what was it the uh, uh the like Texas Tech the um the, oh, the tortillas uh, well not the tort oh yeah the tortillas but I'm sorry I was also thinking of um oh my god the animal that ran on the field I totally forgot what it was
2: uh, oh the, yeah, the cat
0: yeah and possum 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 yeah like yeah. have a possum run on the field like we need moments <laughs> like that silly stuff that that makes college football like don't have it like wreck the game but you know. yeah um and again like some of these other things where we've talked about where teams just mysteriously power up because against certain teams they just suddenly like one game a season a particular team just goes completely crazy like the purdue train power up like one game against a ranked opponent purdue just suddenly wakes up and become goes into like beast mode or something like that
2: but uh yeah absolutely (laughs) i love it that would be Um, great yeah, and that second point being, you know, we talk a lot about these power Power Five coaches departing, especially like Washington and Bama and whatnot. But um, I'm I'm interested to see if anybody has any thoughts on the uh, San Jose State job. Um, one just you know random alignment I thought in my head was Jason Candle from Toledo. Seems like that could be a good G5 to G5. I know he's been there forever and probably pretty committed, but I'm thinking you know they're deserving of that caliber considering their recruiting pool in California some of the resources that that institution is pouring into the school. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, Candle's one of those guys you're always surprised doesn't seem to get as much traction because he always comes up as a candidate, no matter what the position is. Um, I'm wondering, though, and here's an interesting thing. I mean, years ago, not that many years ago, but around, oh, it was like 2017 or 2018, I was sitting down at Mountain West Media Day and it wasn't the San Jose State coach, and I think it was still, yeah, I think it was Brent Brennan really early on in his career. Like, it was his first year there. So, But it wasn't him, it was actually, oh, I'm trying to remember, it was a former um, coach who, I'm not sure if he had coached there, but had coached at Stanford, which of course shares the same footprint. And the conversation went to the fact of how hard it is at San Jose State because it's so expensive to live in the Bay Area, particularly around San Jose, because they're, they're, they're right where Silicon Valley is. So prices for everything, especially housing, are really high. So you don't necessarily have Stanford's budget. And Stanford did something really unique. Stanford had this one wealthy alumnus basically build, from what I've been told, like a townhouse complex where the, the it's designed for coaches and staff to be able to afford to live in the area. So it gives them an opportunity to have that so their families can develop. But San Jose State, I remember they were talking about how a lot of, for a while there, so many of their – um Coordinators were like former head coaches, like guys who were sort of in their twilight of their career because they could, they they didn't have kids, they didn't really care about living in a big place. They just wanted to still coach, and that's always been kind of a struggle for San Jose State because the school doesn't have a kind of budget to pay its coordinators enough for what might be a competitive wage in the Bay Area, which is it's amazing to think that, but that's been one of their tough problems. Now, in terms of who might follow them up, that might that might make someone like Candle a little bit more concerned versus like, I'm not saying like, you know, the cost of living in a place like Boise State much more reasonable or, you know, uh Nevada or or even UNLV. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they go after also a coordinator from the region. I mean, some of the names that have been tossed around are your usual suspects, like uh UNLV's offensive coordinator, Brennan Marion, who's been up for several jobs. Um, oddly enough, Brian Harson's been brought up, you know, because he's still out there and available. I mean he's happily probably collecting some money from Auburn on the regular, but I'm sure he keeps coming up as a potential uh, coach, but I-, I wouldn't be surprised if we get someone with West coast, sort of a uh, uh, West coast ties who wants to, who's willing to take on, take that on because it's always been such a tough job. I mean, anyone who is less familiar with the job might be surprised that Arizona wanted to hire him after going like seven and six for a couple of years. But that is, that is a triumph at San Jose state and that, covid year they again they had a, they had another uh, heck of a year they could get good guys but it's just so hard um given how tough it is to to spend in that area and it's san jose state i mean they are the original for those who want historical context they're the original cal state university the first cal state university was san jose state and uh they're not a uc and they don't have the same budget as a uc and that again makes things complicated so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that, um, and I'm very curious to see who they hire, and and likewise, I'm curious to see who uh, South Alabama and Buffalo end up with. I haven't really paid attention to who the candidates are for those two. I mean, Buffalo literally just opened up because they just uh, Alabama just poached him, so really interesting stuff. I mean, we were talking about this by the way just a few weeks ago because and. This is where a story leaked way ahead of anyone wanting it to. Um, So the university was forced to say something. But uh, North Dakota State, their head coach, ends up announcing during the playoff run when they're heading into a semifinal game that, yeah, no, after the season, he's going to be joining USC as a linebacker coach. And that one seemed pretty astonishing. I mean, it's not unusual for a head coach to, to take... A demotion, to kind of move up. Um, we've, I mean, Kalen's DeBoer is actually a great example of that. The guy wins three uh, national championships at NAIA at Sioux Falls, which some people call Sioux Falls University. It's actually University of Sioux Falls. I've actually visited the campus, but anyway, the uh, you know, and then he goes and becomes a coordinator at the FCS level, and then works his way up to becoming becoming obviously now the Alabama head coach. But um, it's it's been rare to see. I mean, last year I remember people were noticing when Sean Lewis left can state to join uh, to join Dion over at Colorado, but now to see you know again a couple of guys from G five programs get poached to join it kind of underlines how much not only the 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 potential for an upward trajectory in a career, but also the pay for some of the coordinators. People have said that you know people were surprised that you know USC would pay more than the North Dakota State head job, but they probably were. Some people were crunching numbers, and and some of the the coordinators were getting far more than that and even if it was not the same level as obviously the offensive or defensive coordinator usc could probably come pretty close to what north dakota state was paying although of course the money wouldn't go quite as far in los angeles let's see here i see that you also wanted to come up i want to let you up here as well again this is rcfb talk 176 it's off season but a lot of stuff going on always happy to talk about whatever it is you all want to talk about i mean ross bjork apparently uh Ohio State got him. Uh, I was just reading that earlier today. I know that was a rumor, but uh, Texas A&M fans seem pretty okay with that, which doesn't always feel good for the team that's high, or for the program that's hiring him. But we'll see uh, what kind of buyout uh, Russ Bjork ends up paying at um, Ohio State.
3: Zach, <laughs> what's going on? Man, hey, what's up? Uh, I know you guys were talking about throwing it on the field, and uh, I, I, I do want to say uh, we'll give a shout-out to uh, – the. The XFL here, the best example, actually, of throwing it on the field. I I don't know. It, it, the Tennessee golf balls and mustard might got it beat. But uh, at the D.C. Defenders game uh, this past uh, spring in the XFL, they were selling, like, these discounted um, something, lemon uh, tequila, lemon something with rocks tequila in it. And uh, the, uh, D.C., uh, somehow the refs blew the game. I, I can't recall it right Hall. But they were taking these lemons that were put in these um, tequila drinks and throwing it. I mean, they were the field was littered with uh, with lemons, and they've taken that up as their mascot. So if you want to go oh see some fun about throwing some stuff on the field, i will do that. Uh, man, uh, a lot of interesting coaching moves here uh, over the. I mean, obviously, we, I don't know uh, this last talk. I, yeah, I guess Caitlin DeBoer was not hired at that point. Um, but um, man, I don't know. Kind of my, I I don't Brian Harson never made it to a national championship game I'll give him that but um, man it's it's Alabama that's a that's a, they're a tough crowd to please um, um, you know I, I, I'm I'm just waiting till the um, the books open up with some lines on uh, how soon the boosters are going to start uh, uh, making up rumors about uh, Kalen DeBoer having a, an affair with a staffer or something because he's quote not a culture fit. Um, that'll be an interesting, uh, 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 interesting hire. We'll, we'll have to see how it works out. He's, uh, um, he, he spent some time up in the West coast there and so did Harson. So we'll have to see, uh, <laughs> how that all plays out. Um, yeah, lots of coordinator moves going on. Notably Mizzou still not, uh, hired, uh, a defensive coordinator at this point. I think they'll probably promote, uh, promote inside. There was, uh, actually a little known fact, uh, um, Blake Baker, <clears throat> from Mizzou departed to um, Louisiana state and uh, uh, to follow Brian Harson there. Uh, but DJ Smith actually served as the uh, co-defensive coordinator last year. So I'm, my assumption is there, he was the linebackers coach. My assumption is he's probably going to get promoted inside if they still have not found a defensive coordinator. So uh, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on all these crazy, uh, crazy coaching moves?
0: You know, it's interesting you mention it because the whole Kalen DeBoer moves, I was a little surprised by it because I thought, you know, the man has no connection to the South. And given what happened at Auburn, given what happened at Auburn, I'm like, man, I I would be surprised if they weren't wary of that. But then I thought about the fact Nick Saban actually did try to hire Ryan Grubb last offseason and Grubb stayed at Washington. So I would love to know, and I'm sure we'll hear more about it, how much... Saban's suggestion had to do with also what made Kalen DeBoer an attractive choice. somebody i mean I've been reading listening to some analysis and reading some about the fact that you know was Saban's coaching tree so successful that it's just hard to get anyone else yeah. i mean you know and, and like, that's
3: that's the crazy thing is that i i I think they went outside the 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 coaching tree i obviously Sabin had must have had some side or sort of opinion or uh, at least his voice was heard you would you would assume so. Uh, but the most surprising thing is they went outside his coaching tr- uh, coaching yeah. tree. and and you know you're right it's it's you, you start looking at the more successful guys obviously there's some unsuccessful guys in that coaching tree, but you start looking at the more successful guys that are still in college and a lot of them are committed to uh, you know head coaching uh, positions at at schools with you know uh, upward trajectories that that you know quite frankly it's not as a lucrative Alabama's not as lucrative an offer.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like Kirby Smart is now the arguably the best coach currently coaching. I mean, without a doubt, and right. he's not going to leave there. You no, know,
3: Sarkisian's uh, not going to leave. Yeah, um,
0: Texas is always going to be able to <laughs> getting in Texas into a bidding war for a winning coach. Uh, you're not going to win, not a, right. I don't care who you there, are unless I mean, you're. you're like...
3: there's just more in number of boosters in 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 Austin yeah. than there is in in Alabama. I mean, they, one Alabama, thing I
0: heard that was fascinating. Apparently, Alabama's collective. Has has like re increased in size by over a thousand because I mean of donors because they're now having to take it seriously because there were so many people who were willing to play for you know less money than they right. would because they were playing for Saban right. and now Kalen DeBoer's there and now I, I do wonder again I think the fact that Kalen DeBoer was able to bring Ryan Grubb and that was something that was very attractive to Sabin last offseason which for obvious reasons that are quite obvious now but I think his willingness to hire. Again, the way he's hired I mean he's now poached two different head coaches away um in the last couple of days he's willing to kind of bring people in I think to sort of build folks who can make up for his weak spots and maybe that's it I mean because that's what made Sabin so good his ability to find oh, talent yeah, although his recruiting acumen really cannot be understated I mean right. that's I,
3: I, and and I mean you know that that's the thing is is the uh, even just if football in general is Jim just in that head coach role and do uh, the, the more successful head coaches are, are CEOs. They're not, um, you know, they, they have a very deep knowledge. But, um, I mean, you're talking about, you know, almost 100 guys on a team you're trying to manage. And uh, you have to rely on good coordinators to do a, a ton of the day-to-day. I mean, you think of like Kirk Ferentz. That's probably the best, um, in my opinion, CEO style Uh, head coach you know he's not I you know I've got uh, a couple buddies on that uh, Iowa team and you know they don't see Kirk Ferentz they they see him very rarely they're you know uh, their day-to-day is with their position coach and if they're on offense offensive coordinator defense defensive coordinator so uh, you know I I think he could be very successful in that in that uh, in that role um, and, and a lot of coaches are trying to, you know, sort of drink what he was calling the plays last year and then he finally gave up, uh, you know, decided to bring in an offensive coordinator and they've, uh, certainly had a lot more success with him not calling the plays. Cause you think about it, there's so much, you know, just a, m- a measurable amount of stuff you got to do to manage, um, you know, God knows how many staff plus, you know, over a hundred kids.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, uh, With the Boar, though, it's also interesting, too. I was also thinking if I was the Boar, not only would I take the role, because either you succeed and people are impressed enough. I mean, I'm not sure what it's going to take to... I mean, people, I think... Alabama fans have somewhat realistic expectations to be uh, modestly disappointed. They'll take modest disappointment, you know. Going to the playoff is still a, an expectation, particularly in the twelve-team playoff. But even if you flame out, I mean, that's a good retirement gig. Like, okay, oh, I didn't make it. Oh, I got to collect this paycheck for a number of years and <laughs> probably get a decent buyout, and then just go relax and I don't know wherever he wants to live. I don't, I don't know if he necessarily wants to move back to his small town in South Dakota, okay. but you know,
4: it's live in the year.
3: It's the Jimbo special. I mean, yeah. he's, <laughs> uh, the, you, know, you think ideally he, he would, he would think that, you know, um, I mean, it's, it's a tough job. It's, it's, it's um, a, a anybody following, obviously Nick Saban is, is he's going to have to, and I think that was a lot of, that was a, that was a negative um, for uh, allegedly some of the other uh, coaches they were looking at is, you know, um, uh, the expectations the athletic director uh, expectations that offices expectations schools expectations boosters expectations or um playoffs are bust I, and you know uh following that you know your 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 seat is um is is already a little warm i, I think they'll have reasonable expectations uh, uh for the at least the first two years but you know you're looking at you know well, we want to be in the playoffs after that and that's that's certainly going to be a difficult um difficult move but yeah um, you know i'm
0: gonna geek out for just one second and admit that like when i was covering the national championship i went to media day i always take pictures of everybody who's there you know just because it's uh, yeah i'm a very i like to, to to i always have since i was a kid and then i realized you know oh Kalen De DeBoer doesn't have a photo on wikipedia i'll just upload mine <laughs> and i was laughing because suddenly it became the only free photo of calen's DeBoer out on the internet and because i just you know release it to whatever um man that was not something you kind of expect when you throw something up there but that's always <laughs> yeah. been a huh. because what am i going to do with all those photos i take photos everywhere i go i have photos like anytime i go to media day i take a photo of all the players there and you maybe tweet the good ones then i'm stuck with all these photos on my phones like my kids care so I, just, I
3: always forget you're a big wikipedia guy
0: I, okay i don't edit it anymore i used to edit like that was like a thing i did like around 2000 old so 2007 <laughs> to like 2010 that was like something i i like to do and then Kind of shifted away from that, but I still kind of like to upload photos because, again, it's like, what else are you going to do with your photo? Then they end up in the randomest place. My Google results get really screwy because, like, my name, they have (laughs) to use my name, name, and then it just like I'll appear on a random website because somebody included a photo and then included my name (laughs) with the photo. But uh, then I'll occasionally get sent like books because people will use the photo in a book and they don't want to, they like, they feel bad that they're not paying me, so they'll just send me a copy of a book. So, (laughs) what's the
3: weirdest, weirdest book you gotten?
0: Oh, gosh. You know, it was actually a funny one. It was like a group of the world's weirdest sports. And the reason it was, I went to Oaxaca like in 2005 and took a photo of a Mesoamerican ball court in a Zapotec ruin. And the photo turned out (laughs) great, even though my camera, this is like 2005, my camera was not very high res. But like, yeah, no, they just ran with it. So uh, I got all (laughs) these Penguin copies. This is tiny little paperback, but you know, whatever. My kids like the book. I could say hey dad took that one photo. But
3: uh <laughs> <laughs> funny. I appreciate you, Boback. Have a good one, y'all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey Elizabeth, what's going hey, on? Hey
5: Boback. Uh, just wanted to touch base on a couple of things. Uh one thing, um, uh, fantastic coverage of the national championship. Really appreciated all your uh, effort on that. Uh photos, wonderful. Thanks. Love to see that. Um, and then secondly, I wanted to touch upon you know, the players now that are getting paid, I'm hearing this from multiple um, multiple teams where they're getting paid, uh, you know, maybe some guy has $200,000 in the bank and now he doesn't wanna make the effort on the field. So I I don't know if this is good or bad, but wouldn't it seem to me that, you know, if you're getting paid 200,000 to do, you know, 75%, wouldn't you get paid a lot more if you had a hundred percent effort? Um, I just I don't get that uninspired play from or motivation for money. Cause it's it is a business and it's entertainment, but they're making money.
0: You know, I'll I'll just say this much. Even before, you know, above board financial inducements, I think, you know, I, I was always a fan of going back and looking at retrospective, the the worst recruiting flops you know there, there was i remember there was one guy at usc whitney lewis he was like the he was ranked higher than reggie bush and all Are these you other serious? guys I don't remember
5: and, him i mean oh, there's a
0: reason why there's there's a very good reason why you don't remember him. <laughs> okay and then he transferred out and i forgot what school he ended up with but ever all the like all the back in the day when your only info is info like a random team uh forum that was like everyone's like yeah he got fat like everyone's like he was a wide receiver and he got fat um <laughs> Right, became a tight end or something yeah. so he uh not that i'm not not a good tight end you know back in the day before tight ends were more used i always joke tight end was where a good where a quarterback went to die you know on a roster
3: right but
0: he um <laughs> he like but he just didn't pan out so there's always going to be guys like that you know i i think the money is is an indu is certainly an inducement of where they go but i think another factor that's kind of playing into this mm-hmm. is we're still in such a wild west situation we've never had you know, the, the whole, the we're still young. The NIL market right. is maturing in front of us. So we've seen that more. I've heard some more of these deals tend to be like incentivized. You know, it, it totals out to X number of dollars over a period of years. So I think we'll see a little bit more of that so that if you get a player who's maybe not delivering, you know, they, you may not renew it the next year, which could cause them to leave and get really angry and maybe transfer to a team where they suddenly want to prove themselves. But, you know, they weren't doing it at your program. But it's going to yeah. be interesting to see. I mean, some of the stuff that people want to do, I'm a little more questionable about. Like I've heard, like, I think it was like, Ari Wasserman wrote an article where he was suggesting like players should be forbidden from following their coach somewhere, which I thought was just That's completely bizarre. asinine.
5: Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> sure. what? like, if
0: your head coach is leaving and you like him and they like you and they want you to keep playing for him, I mean, you'll follow and, him, yeah, you know? Yeah, and you're
5: committed to them and you're devoted to that coach for a reason. So that makes sense. I mean, the sense. whole
0: point of, yeah, the whole point of the transfer portal in NIL is because, you know, especially the transfer portals because the head coaches were allowed to do this. So, I mean, because it is crazy to think back, like, you know, there used to be that period of time where if you wanted to transfer, you gave your coach a list of teams and then he said, like, no, you're not going to this one. You're not going to you know the in-conference oh, yeah. programs and now exactly they, especially now, in the
5: SEC they did that where you can't transfer to an SEC program
0: yeah now suddenly they're allowed to do what they want and i mean i it's it's a two-edged sword i absolutely agree there's you know i kind of i look at it as like that there's bad to it there's going to be negative to it but i think the benefits overall for just the players and all that i kind of i I feel sympathy enough. I think at this point that, you know, let them have it, you know, they're one bad injury away from never really kind of making it, uh, and necessarily getting what might've been a, you know, a lucrative career. So let them get it now, let them find where they can get it. Um, you know, and then you get guys that, you know, again, I, I was still surprised when Miller Moss showed up at the, uh, holiday bowl. Suddenly you get some guy who's been <laughs> sitting behind and just scores six touchdowns. And now, of course, He's got the UNLV quarterback uh, who's going to be competing against him for the starting position. But, I mean, you know, every now and again you get those, so th- there's still a mix of guys who stick around. I mean, one, again, going back to what just happened uh, last month, uh, you know, last week, Michigan's program is mostly guys they developed inside that program. I don't know right. if that's, if that's going to keep happening, especially, you know, if Harbaugh leaves. I'm not well, sure.
5: You yeah, know, exactly. If he goes to uh, L.A. or not.
0: Exactly. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be curious. To say, I mean, I think they're going to probably hire internally. I wouldn't be surprised if Sharon Moore ends up being the next head coach at Michigan if if Harbaugh leaves, which is still an if. But um, you know, at the same time, I mean, it, it's going to be rare for programs I think to have that many players coming from within. Um, it just seems that way, especially in the the playoff era that we're entering and with the portal. But yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I was I was kind of a meandering rant to say that I don't yeah, think that no worries. The players... I just
5: I was just curious on what your thoughts were because. I'm 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 seeing so many comments from different teams and even my Arkansas Razorbacks, where, you know, the guy, and again one of our running backs who's no longer with the program, you know, gained a lot of weight and now can't run as well. But he has two hundred thousand dollars in the bank. So now is he not inspired to run as well? Is he not? I mean, does that make? I I I don't know. I just
0: yeah yeah. I and mean I they were like that, he- that. All I'll say is they were like that before there were players like that before. Before money was even in the fact that they were just like Yeah, you're right. You you're get the you right. get the you're kind of the, <laughs> they're just busts and you're kind of like, man, you had such potential. Why did you so even before the money, now you're dragging some booster, well, above board boosters with you right. as well. Um, which hopefully will get them to learn a little bit more. I'm curious to see though, maybe there's a way to structure a deal to uh to make it so it's a little less Little less and like it, you just feel like you handed a guy a ton of money and they kind of yeah. Didn't make I
5: it. I I think it should be incentive based, you know, performance based. You know, so you I, do X amount, and then if you get this, you get more. So I
0: don't know if they can straight up go entirely performance based. I think there may be some restrictions on that, but oh, okay. you could maybe put benchmarks on just the amount of time there. And I think that's we were starting to hear there have been some like that where it's like when that whole Jalen Rashada story was coming out and they were like, did they just hand him? You know, remember when Miami was supposed to hand all that money? <laughs> yeah. Turns out it was actually like it was being handed over a period of time, like there were there were dates. Like I know they can do that, but I, I think I worry a little bit about especially when <laughs> we start paying players for like, you know, uh, <laughs> touchdowns, tackles. I could get,
5: I could kind get of complicated. Like, I, I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm thinking more like phase, just um, you know, per season. You know, something yeah. not not so uh yeah, per yard, per gain, all that good stuff, touchdowns um so yeah i don't know i i just i was i was wondering but i think you're right about you know it's it's kind of like if they weren't motivated to do well and be to the next level uh they're they're not going to do it
0: absolutely so, i always tell people like you know well, just I, like I, in I, work yeah no i teach like i teach at the undergraduate level and and i taught at the law school level and i always tell students like look I always use use a football analogy. I'm like, you can be super talented in high school, and then when you get to college, you know, some people naturally have it, and some people have to work hard at it. And, you know, sometimes it's those kids that work really hard that get those A's and get in the, let's say, a a graduate school, like a law school. And then when you get to law school, very few people go to law school and have that natural talent of ace classes. I'm going to say that. That's like a 1 in a 200 kind of. Yeah, that makes time.
5: sense. Exactly. And then,
0: you know, most of those guys got to work hard. And, you know, you can make that analogy with football. It's like, you know, high schooler, you're a best high schooler, your natural talent, go to college. Some of those guys are such a insane natural talent that they can maybe scoot by in college, but a lot of those guys still got to work. And then, you know, you can't <laughs> yeah. just, sometimes you can't just coast. And some of those guys just don't got it.
5: Yeah. And bottom line, some people don't want to work for it, period. They don't want to yep. work hard. So, yeah, I get it.
0: Absolutely. Hey John, you came back up. What's on your mind?
1: Yeah, I was just uh, going to say to Elizabeth's uh, point about you know that player in Arkansas getting fat. Um, I, I you know it, it could be you know for the money. It could also be you know it's the, the cooking's da- so good down south, man. It, it's harder to fight the temptation of good stuff and food. So I can't I can't I can't blame him uh, You know I can't blame him if that's the case. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the other thing I was going to mention too, I think Thack uh, was talking about uh, killing the boy. Have you ever seen a coach with such a like such a rise in the coaching ranks? I mean, I don't think I don't know how know how aware people are, but he was a Division two coach, head coach, fifteen years ago, and in a fifteen year span, he has jumped from Division two to essentially I, I would say that one of the highest pentacles of coaching. I mean, that in itself is phenomenal, and I, I it's hard for me to remember a time where you know a head coach has you know really just jumped so rapidly up the ranks.
0: Oh, absolutely. He earned his spot. And it was, it was, it was an analog to, I want to say it was an analog to D2 was NAIA, but, uh, but yeah, no, no. I mean, he, he climbed up from the, uh, uh, at the time it was NAIA, they moved to D2. A lot of those teams kind of scooched around in the last several years. So, uh, but yeah, absolutely. No, his, his rise is absolutely something else. Um, And again, that as we were Talking about, particularly with the fact that Alabama has now poached two G five head coaches to be assistants, um, you know he did that exact route. He went from after winning those championships at Sioux Falls, he he went to uh, FCS and then became a coordinator at Eastern Michigan and and then a coordinator at Fresno State, a coordinator at Indiana, and then you know finally got his his FBS head coaching opportunity. It's it's striking, and you know sometimes, and I, I think that's one of the positives you can say if you're looking for. Why Alabama went that way is that you know he's a winner he knows how to win and his 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 record as a coach is is absolutely astonishing. I mean the worst season he had was that kind of off COVID year where he went three and three, but other than that, if you take that out, it's even more of an incredible uh, incredible run by him. Let's see here, Max Romeo, Max Romeo, what's going on?
6: Hey, Red, love your account, man. I just had uh, two questions for you: one about Penn State because I'm a student there, and then one about the uh, Big Ten in general. So one of the main uh, criticisms about Penn State and James Franklin, too, is that we can never win the big game. We got bodied by Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl, lose to Michigan and Ohio State every year. So I'm wondering, what do you think that James Franklin and Penn State in general need to do to finally win one of those big games? Like, is it recruiting? Is it play calling? Like, what do you you think that we need to do to finally win one of those big games?
0: That's a great question, because James Franklin's one of those great enigmas right now, because... I'm I'm against the idea of like letting them go only because so many teams think that oh we're not quite making it and they let a guy go and then you know you end up like the kind of the the long descent that Nebraska has which I'm optimistic they can get out of it but you know they the whole decision to uh um to uh, uh, fire Solich just I thought I remember when they fired Frank Solich after going you know after having some great seasons but not quite reaching that pinnacle again um and then you know they found out it can get quite worse so. That said, you know, last season with Penn State, the offense was just such a trouble. We, we, their defense was phenomenal. And, and granted, I'm kind of of the thought that the bowl games are unreliable indicators, particularly when you're not in the playoffs. So, yeah, Ole Miss did a great job, but I'm willing to say, well, we'll see how Penn State does when they know they're playing for it all, especially going into the next se- season. I'm I'm curious to see. How uh, how Andy does as their offensive coordinator. I'm always bad with last names. I'm kind of a little hesitant. they got a new defensive coordinator. I'm a little more optimistic about that because of the way they've recruited there. Sometimes with a quarterback like Drew Aller, you know, when they kind of, they're really highly touted and they don't quite pan out. I've seen that happen and sometimes a change in who is coaching them does make a huge difference. I mean, again, I hate to use USC analogies, but because uh, I continually tend to use them. Uh, but uh, I, I still remember when Carson Palmer seemed like a, not a bust, but kind of a disappointing quarterback for as good as he was supposed to be. And then finally, I believe it was his third offensive coordinator, um, ended up being Norm Chow, and then unlocked his potential. And suddenly, poof, you're like, wow, where did this guy come from? Or anytime you get a transfer quarterback, I mean, look at the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. He was certainly, Arizona State wasn't exactly weeping when he left. And suddenly you get him to LSU, get someone, good system, good coach, and suddenly, you know, they take off. So those things do happen. Um, so with Penn State, I think, first of all, I think Michigan's gonna take a step back. I don't think it's unusual to think Michigan's gonna take a step back. So much of this team is built around this one season. It's rare you get the way things turned out for a team, the way they turned out for Michigan at the end of this season. I'm gonna set aside the Connor Stelly and stuff. I mean, they were always talking about like, oh, this going into this season, these guys are all seniors, they're all, you know, it's gonna be a very mature team. This is going to be it if, if, you know, if Harbaugh can't do it this year, he can never do it, you know. But then the idea was there was going to be a drop off because a lot of those guys are now leaving. I mean, I've heard, you know, estimations that they might even uh, set a record for the number of first round draft picks or something like that. But all of that said, I mean, they're going to they're going to be a weaker program. So Penn State will have an even better opportunity to at least perhaps climb into that spot with uh, towards the top of the Big Ten. with the big 10 dropping divisions it's kind of interesting uh, their schedule is is definitely let's see they got they're gonna be playing UCLA and at USC they got Ohio State and they don't get Washington probably they don't get Michigan so we'll just set that one out aside altogether there's some tough games there um they got Washington but Washington's a mystery right now honestly with with the way they're going to be with the new head coach and obviously losing a couple of key players. They have a shot. I mean, at this point, they should be a playoff team, right? They You think that if they can maintain what they had going, they can get into the playoff consistently, then perhaps match up against teams that they can knock off and perhaps climb back up. I, I'm not sure where to place them right now. I'm not sure where to put the. I think they should certainly have a shot at getting into the 12-team playoff next season, but... I'm a little hesitant to to put any rankings right now. I like to see where people develop. I like to see how the spring game, kind of the the feedback. Not, I don't necessarily watch spring games, but I like reading how teams seem to be kind of ranking up against each other in some of these things. But of course, you know how many people you know eat that
6: and uh, and then get burned. Yeah, no, I t- I totally agree. I do feel bad, like you said. You mentioned the defense. I feel like we wasted a uh, big opportunity with that. One of, one of the best defenses in recent memory, for sure and the offense just couldn't get it together. Yeah, we should get, your, we should get that offense and marry, it with
0: the, pardon me,
6: that defense and marry it with
0: the LSU offense, and we'd
6: have something unstoppable. Oh, 100%. And then uh, the second question is, it's funny you mentioned USC. So my other question was, how do you think the, uh, the new Pac-12 teams are going to uh, fare in the Big Ten? So Big Ten, you know, we, we love our defense. We love our punts, as Iowa showed all year. And then I feel like one of the stereotypes for the Pac-12 is not a lot of defense, ton of offense going on. So I'm just wondering how you you think that, how those West Coast offenses are going to fare against the uh, Big Ten defenses. Do you think they're just going to kind of cancel each other out? Do you think one's going to have an advantage over the other? Love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: I am very curious to see how that pans out because it's, I think... Washington's now a little bit more of a quirky one only because they lost so many people at this point. Oregon's going to be ready and geared up to play because they already played a little more physically than most of the other Pac-12 teams. I think they're going to be ones that are going to race in and I think be a little overlooked because people tend to look at the L.A. schools, especially USC, which, you know, they seem to be taking their defense seriously, at least in terms of who they've been hiring, because holy cow, they went from Alex Grinch to, I mean, they just hired, you know, line coach from, uh, uh, the from the from the Ram, from the NFL I think it was the Rams or the Chargers I can't remember it's one of the LA teams but you know they're they're loading up on that I don't know if USC is necessarily going to be ready to play at a, the level they were well <laughs> it can't get that much worse than last season but I mean I'm not sure if USC is quite ready but in terms of the cultural kind of mix I'm curious to see I don't think the West Coast schools are going to start adapting like a Big Ten West style like I I just don't think that's going to influence them at all. But I do wonder if that we're going to see perhaps a shakeup. Because, I mean, that was probably probably a little bit of the issue with the Big Ten West is that all those teams were kind of aimed at kind of playing each other in their own style of football. And then, you know, they just were kind of hapless when they would get outside of it. Um, you know, up until this season, the argument was Michigan was just built to beat Ohio State. And, you know, when they get into the playoff, they croak. Um, obviously, this season, that didn't end up being that way. But... um, I, I think it'll be interesting. I don't know. I, I'm I, as a foot, as a person who likes more of an offensive type of sport, I would like to see them rather pull some of the, the big 10 West teams into being a little more aggressive on offense, but I'm not sure. I, I kind of, it would be fascinating if the team stayed kind of where they were um, so that we do get a conference like the big 10 that has such variation in the, the style of play, but I realistically don't know how that'll work, and there's so many factors. We've never had a conference quite like this, um, and we're going to see some very interesting results that are are hard to predict. And maybe that's it. I mean, we're in such a period of time where nothing is easy to predict. The portal's still kind of young. We're still not entirely sure how the portal really is best used. I mean, because last year, gosh knows, uh, Dion and G and GJ Kinney really kind of took it to the extreme level. Um, we're not sure entirely how NIL works. We're just talking about how do you how do you budget money to make it work right. Um, now even a school like Alabama is taking the portal a whole lot more seriously because you don't have the Saban bump where players are willing to necessarily play for less openly given money than to have that opportunity to play for Saban. There's so much mystery out there, and and these new conferences, but particularly the uh, the the Big Ten, and to a lesser degree the fact that we have Stanford and Cal going to the ACC. It's a mysterious, it's a mysterious time, which is a fun time because it's we're going away from the predictability. It's no longer like, well, it's gonna be Clemson, it's gonna be Alabama in the national championship game, and the rest of everyone is just kind of playing for entertainment value. Like it is completely Wild West in the terms of of predictions. And and I'm glad. I'm really glad because it was getting a little stale there. I still like the sport, but we needed this. We needed this kick in the pants. Let's see here. I want to let up Colin as well. Um and as Colin's connecting, Max, did you have something you wanted to add?
6: Oh, no, no, no I was just going to say, thanks for your thoughts, man. Appreciate you talking.
0: No, man. Thanks for joining us.
6: Colin, what's on your mind?
4: Uh, what's going on, Reddit? Uh, just a bit of context. Uh, Sam Houston, Bearcat over here. Um, eat Eat'em up, Cats. Um, obviously, we all know how we we trended for the majority of the season for not winning any games for a while. Um, just but having a great defense while doing it like yeah. that was the frustrating. Part. Yeah, it, it was very, very, it was very, I mean, I went, I went to all their uh, games. I, I traveled with, I traveled with the uh, team for broadcasting reasons and uh, I got to see every single game unfold in front of me. And it was, and it was quite an experience to say the least um, being a the new, the new kid on the block in FBS conference you USA and whatsoever. I mean, did the season end like it did? Of course, but I kind of think I think I I take it as a process. Like it's just a stepping stone to what this program can be in the future. You know, whatever happens with NIL, whatever happens with conference alignment or NCAA sanctions or whatever could happen, it's just a it's just a step in the process, in my opinion. And I and I hope people, especially my fellow Bearcats, uh, recognize that because we we had in my opinion we had a a good transfer class or uh, a good signing day, early signing day rather uh, last month, a month ago. Um, but I wanted to know what your thoughts are on the program and where it could potentially go in the future.
0: Yeah, you know, I think for those who are who are familiar with how that season went, Sam Houston stayed open with just uh, kind of frustration because you know they they I remember they they lost to BYU zero. Not a bad not a bad loss for your first. True FBS season, your opening game. Again, lost close to what was thought to be a very good Air Force team. Now, they obviously didn't quite end up being as strong. They lost, you know, 13-3. to They kind of had a couple of losses, but then they lost an OT to Jacksonville State, which had also moved up. They lost to FIU and double OT. They kept losing. The games were, were getting closer, and then they've won, finally, three of their last four games to to finish three and nine. So they, they looked better as they went along. And like what James Madison did when they moved up a couple of seasons ago, they opened with a full FBS schedule. They didn't give themselves. I mean, Kennesaw state, pardon me, is technically was FCS when they played. And that was also another close win. And to be sure, Kenny, pardon Kennesaw state is also moving up next season to join uh FBS and join conference USA. I believe it's next season. They're joining. Um,
4: yes, it is next season. They do So,
0: I mean, again, it was, it was a strong schedule and it just, it was tough and there were close losses, but they trended up and I'm not sure, I mean, how I admit, I'm not necessarily familiar with how many folks are returning on the Bearcats roster, but, uh, but you've got Casey Keeler, who's a great head coach. I mean, he's, he's won a national championship there. Um, and I mean, in that, in that wild COVID season. And and he's actually he won. I forgot he won at Delaware. Oh my god. Totally forgot he won that Delaware. I remember that Delaware season. Um, so I mean he's he can win. He's been a good coach. It's just it was a tough start, a tough transition. I'd be curious to see next season. I haven't seen what the schedule looks like, but how many, how many folks how, how much have they retained from this this roster?
4: So we've actually retained quite a lot. We haven't had a lot of our guys into the um portal we we've we have a couple of guys that that are declaring for the draft but not but in my opinion not really wants to bat my eye about because of their positions and what we and what we have uh we keegan uh shoemaker our qb1 is uh, not is, is graduating or he graduated already i don't know if he's graduated this some um, this spring semester or if he graduated already not too sure but in the transfer portal we got jason bauer from central michigan we got Hunter Watson from, from Iowa, Western Community College, who just won a, a national championship. And, and we got Michael Phoenix from Kilgore College, who was one of the best wide receivers in JUCO. Uh, we lost Hakeem Meatball-Smith on the d- defensive line, but we picked up a D lineman from SMU, Dylan Frazier. I mean, for what we lost, we pretty much filled up and like kind of reloaded a little bit but I think a lot of these guys that are still with us and well, I, you can't obviously forget our middle linebacker, Trevor Williams, who was one of the best in the country. Uh, he's, he's, uh, going to be missed, but he's going on to the draft and probably is going to get picked. we don't know that for sure. But at the end of the day, I think we will be, we're fine roster wise. Uh, I I am curious to see who we replace our defensive coordinator with because he went to New Mexico state. Um, Mm. So, but at the but at the end of the day, um, I think we're gonna be fine. Uh, if you are curious about the schedule, we open on August thirty first at Rice. I just Sam- saw
0: that. Yeah, you guys have Rice you at UCF. Mm-hmm. Wise coming to town. Mm-hmm. And then you got oh, I forgot the Texas State game. That's gonna be a new rivalry at NRG, isn't it?
4: Uh, I mean that's been a that was a rivalry back in the old Southland days before Texas State went to the Sun Belt. So there, so it's kind of basically a revival of that. Of oh, that's that, uh, great. Yeah, NRG is
0: uh, an awesome stadium. That I, I was really cool. I'd never been to Houston before, and and being in there, that was that was that was a great facility. And I know they played a game that the Air Force game was there this last season, wasn't it?
4: Oh, oh yeah, that yeah, that Air Force. It's it was the Armed Forces uh Armed Forces game uh. Uh, the school partnered with the Operation Red Wings Foundation. So, it was I mean, it was a pretty good game in, in all tents and purposes. I mean, our defense played, you know, their butts off. I mean, holding Air Force under 300 total yards what is like a very hard thing to do and I'm and I'm glad our guys you know, they played they played their hardest. I mean, the record doesn't show it, but I am excited as not as a as a, not just a fan but a student. Um, to see where they go.
0: You know, um one one quick question for you: Are they planning to expand Bauer Stadium? Because I know it came up, I think, in one of the Trivia Tuesdays that one of the guys puts together for our CFB. That it is now one of the, I think, it is the smallest FBS stadium right now. It's like fourteen thousand. Uh,
4: I I believe so. Yes, uh, I'm not. I, I'm sure there's probably a FBS stadium I don't know about that is smaller, but it, but as far as I've heard and no. Yes, and to answer your question, yes, there are plans to expand it, which means new press box, new um, there's apparently if you ever are curious, uh, I mean, there there was a 10-year plan that came out over the summer for the university that talks about it. It also talks about adding an indoor practice facility that is outside of the football stadium. So, I mean, it's a 10-year plan, so obviously things can change. Mm-hmm. So, not no construction going on yet football wise just going to see what happens see if I still more. remember
0: like, cuz I when I was when I was in Houston um I stayed an extra day and walked the Rice campus and walked in that stadium and it's amazing to think it hosted the Super Bowl at one point um it's uh it that that stadium also needed a lot of lot of updates cuz they'd removed a bunch of seats and I knew that cuz it used to be an honor it was a this it was the Rice Stadium was built in an awkward time right before the NFL took off So they overbuilt the stadium as it turned out because then people were going to go see at the time, Houston Oilers games, (laughs) Bryce had just built this huge stadium. Um, But uh, yeah, walking around that, 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 that was a striking one because I, that uh, their, their concourse level is Spartan to put it mildly. Um, But man, thanks for joining us. It's great to, it's great to talk that that was that, that it's always great to talk about a program we don't always do. And, and, uh, Sam Houston, I'm I'm genuinely interested to see how they do next season because what during that losing streak it was such a frustrating streak because it wasn't that the team was playing poorly. It's just that things just kept falling short and the defense seemed to be seemed to be pulling its weight for that time.
4: Yeah. I mean, hey, I I, I really appreciate you, especially giving, you know, Sam Houston such a spotlight. You, uh, obviously, we had the uh we had the advantage, which we have we have never had as a program, was to play those midweek games where we can be put on national TV. Like, I mean, we played one game that BYU game was on FS1. The Air Force game was CBS Sports Network. Uh, I believe it was the Jacksonville State game that was on um, ESPN2, and just in a couple of other, and we had one on ESPNU, and we had a couple more on the CBS Sports Network, and so just having that there for us and then having accounts especially you talk about us getting the brand out there and you know just bringing some recognition it's just we I, I can tell you that me and a lot of other bearcats i know we really appreciate that
0: oh man i appreciate that we just love college football maybe one day we'll have somebody from japan call in and you know try to tell us how awesome it is <laughs> so we covered their team too but i love sam houston <laughs> i love the fact that i love when teams move up it's such an exciting thing And, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that season goes. You know, I want to just acknowledge the Waterboy uh, posted a little while ago in the chat um, for this particular talk that uh, uh, Ian Rappaport noted that it's not just the Chargers. The Falcons have also interviewed Jim Harbaugh for their head coach position. I am one of the thought that he is definitely going to take one of those. Let's see here. I've got um, Elliot Burner. Hey, little buddy. Uh, Go ahead and unmute, and then I'll try to get to Dilmo and Jack uh jack mccutcheon uh, i see you guys in their queue i'll try to get to you both i promise but what's going on uh uh, elliott's burner hey how's it going man
7: we had a guy he called a minute ago talking about penn state which bought up you know frank solich at nebraska which was a it's one of the worst you know fires in the history of nebraska football it was led up to you know bo plini getting fired after winning you know nine games every season just want to kind of get your take on the current outlook in Nebraska football after you know Matt Rule's first season, you know losing the last four games, you know before becoming bowl eligible, and kind of end the season not a, in an abysmal way. And then we have Dylan Rayola, you know some high-profile recruits coming in, Carter Nelson, um, and then next season we got a you got a tough stretch of three games, you know with. Who Ohio State, UCLA, USC? Uh, is it likely that Nebraska goes in to that last stretch of the season seven and zero? Just kind of get want to get your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, you know, I am I am still bullish on that rule because you know he always start his first season's always the weakest that that you know anyone who's read about him knows that. I mean, I remember when he was at, I actually remember when he got good at Temple. I remember when Baylor hired him, kind of laughing a little bit when that first season went pretty disastrously, but then being impressed at where he got them um, at the end. So to see where they were, I mean, I was at the, uh, I was at in the press box for the opener, the Minnesota game. And I remember watching that game. I'm like, I can't tell how it's a classic week zero game. I'm like, I cannot tell how to read either of these teams. Like, it's, it's, are their defenses that good, or is, are their offenses that bad? It turns out <laughs> right. maybe a little bit of both. It's not entirely sure. Um, but then, you know, Nebraska, I thought, did better than expected, and I wonder, it's kind of one of those situations and where a team, you know, you have modest expectations for them, and then they start fairly well, because obviously, you know, the like Colorado was a great example of that. You know, they started so strong, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh. You know, look at Colorado, look at Dion, you know, he's he's exceptional, blah, blah, blah. And then we watched them trail off. And although, you know, and and obviously Nebraska was on the receiving end of that early on, you know, they they were able to kind of to claw over to five wins fairly quickly with that only that one little loss to to Michigan, which was expected. And then yeah, things got that Michigan State game was where things kind of started to fall apart. I remember that Michigan State game and being shocked when that scoreline came across. All of that said. I think things are trending up. I mean, you, you pointed it out. I mean, seeing who's coming in—that was that. I mean, getting the quarterback, getting Rayola—that was that was a great sign for for I thought you know the state of the program and how healthy it is. Um, Your the schedule is definitely light at the beginning. I mean, you got UTEP, Colorado, who I think they're not going to get surprised by Colorado, and they're going into Lincoln, and I know that rivalry. I mean, I've said it before. One of my favorite things was going to call, going to, pardon me, Nebraska in in 2007, and just experiencing what it's like in Lincoln on game day, and then noticing that there is one team they also clearly hate, even though they weren't playing that day, and it was Colorado. So I always tell people like they're nice to everybody, but man, they they definitely that's a rivalry. If you're <laughs> that's not aware that's of it.
7: true, man. That's <laughs> yeah. true.
0: Yeah, it's not like the respectful rivalry with Oklahoma. It's like no, 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 they 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 don't yeah, like it's, them. It's different. It's different. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, you got NIU. You got Illinois. I still can't. I don't know what's going to happen in Illinois. I'm very curious to see how long it's going to take for Bielema to get them to somewhere. And if, if he can, Purdue, Rutgers, Indiana. And then you get, as you the said, gauntlet. that gauntlet, yeah. Ohio State. UCLA, I'm not sure where to even to peg them. USC, you know, could be good. <laughs> Or we could be looking at, man, how does how Riley keep messing this up? You know, who knows? I mean, they're, they're kind of a mystery. Ohio State, I do think, is the scarier one of that group. Frankly, they're probably the toughest game in the schedule next season because yeah. it's going to be in Ohio Stadium. And for a lot of reasons, I think Ohio State's going to be a, a, a certainly a championship uh, contender. Um, Certainly, the playoff expectations, they're going to be the tough one. And that one... I think for and I don't know. I'd love to know your opinion on this. I mean, if you're a Nebraska fan, is is the goal next season just to get over the bull hump? Uh, maybe get to seven or eight wins. You know, rather than necessarily like, okay, this is the year things are going to turn around and it's you know we're going to go into the championship game.
7: I mean, it, 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 the bull expectations got to be got to be the minimum, right? I think, I think max is got to be eight nine wins. Um, you know, I think. I think Iowa is a must win. I think UCLA is a must win. Uh, Wisconsin's a must win. USC and Ohio State are toss ups. Um, it'd be nice if we had Ohio. If we, it'd be really nice if we had Ohio State or USC at home. That would be really great. But those two away games are going to be
0: are going to be brutal, man yeah no and i mean well the good news is the coliseum isn't the scariest place to play i can say this as a usc a usc fan but also i mean gosh it is exciting to get these games though i still can't believe you know it's going to be fun for some of these fans to get these visits i mean if you're a big 10 fan you have an opportunity to go see some of these stadiums it's going to be exciting and not just usc ucla but i've been to aughts i've been to uh i've been to husky stadium they're phenomenal places as a fan but uh yeah, I mean, I think, I'm going to be honest, heading into next season, I would rather play the L.A. schools than I would the, the Pacific Northwest schools right now. I Agreed. mean, again, Washington's Agreed. a little bit questionable. They're more likely analog to UCLA right now because I just can't tell what, what's going to show up on that field next season. But Oregon is terrifying. I, I mean, that's why with Ohio State, I mean, man, they got to go to Autzen. That's not, of all the new programs, that's not the game I would want to have. I that That's a place where, Teams that thought they had championship hopes have gone and just been blown up unexpectedly because it is it is a tough place to play. And Lanning's got them playing at a level that it's going to be really interesting. It's almost going to be like a, a quasi SEC style team being plopped into the the Big Ten. Let's see how they do. Um, and they're not they're totally not where you'd expect them to be from. Yeah,
7: it's it's going to be interesting, man. I'd I'd much rather have uh, UCLA and USC on the
0: schedule than even Washington and Oregon right now. Yeah, it's remarkable to think that. Like, who would have ever thought? Like, especially because of how late they came to the game. I mean, like, this the the whole change at the end of the last offseason, you know, that sudden shift suddenly. Oh, by the way, those two teams are now coming, too. I never would have thought, like, okay, now those are the two you don't want to play. You know, USC, great. You know, we definitely had higher hopes for how that team was going to do before the season. But my goodness, what a... What, a, what a, Again, as I've said before, it is such an exciting time. I mean, setting aside the stuff that kind of sucks. Like, it sucks that we saw the Pac-12 blow up. It sucks that Oregon State and Wazoo are, are where they are. But my goodness, in terms of just pure, like, I have no idea what's going to happen kind of excitement, next season's going to be phenomenal. Like, who's going to make the final 12? Like, are we going to see teams that, you know, especially with the 12-team playoff, or will we see teams through physical attrition that just aren't the same team by the time they get to the championship game, and we see some kind of really unexpected upset because key people just are gassed or they can't play. Or it's it, it's it's absolutely intriguing. I I love the lack of ability yeah. to predict what's I mean, going to happen.
7: We can even see some weird stuff like Ole Miss and
0: Iowa both making the playoff next year. That's going to be weird. Oh, I hope so. Can you imagine? I just want to see. I I hopefully Iowa is going to have. A, that would probably assume Iowa gets some more of a Compton offense with. Now in the post Brian Ferentz era, but my goodness, could you imagine? Like just who they'd be paired up with, yeah, to see that, and then what kind of G five team is going to make it? This year was such a weird season for the G five. I can't emphasize that enough. The fact that the for Liberty to have gotten in so much had have gone wrong, and it did. It was like for G fives, it was like their equivalent of the 2007 season because it looked like Air Force was favored or Fresno State or you know, Wyoming, all of those guys kind of clobbered each other. Then all the other teams, like SMU and Tulane, kind of fell short. And then you know, at one point Memphis even looked like they had a shot. And then all of them fell to the wayside, and the team that had the worst schedule in the preseason managed to do what they could do, and they went through. I mean, that the odds of that were so low, uh, and and yet it, it all came to pass. And <laughs> and Oregon put an end to it. But... um. We saw exactly what we were kind of expecting, but yeah, again, that was yeah. that was. I mean, I felt so bad for Liberty because the one, like the one team in the uh, New year's Six that decided to have like all their key players decided to stay in play. Which, again, what does that say about Dan Lanning? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just absolutely beat them like a drum. Yeah, it was. You a, know, like
7: it was an <laughs> like easy day to make some money. I'll just say that.
0: Oh, <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks so much for joining us, man. It was great talking. Yeah, you. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking my call. Hey Delmo, you've been super patient, man. I just want to say that. What's thank, on your thanks, mind?
3: Thank
6: you, thank you.
3: Huge Arizona Wildcats fan. Go Kitty Cats! I just have a question about um, a sort of a star breakout receiver we're going to see next season. When do you think people are really going to start taking Montana Lamonius Craig seriously? <laughs> Is he not going to follow his coach to Washington, or, like, and be the next Romeo Adunze? And do you not, if not, do you see him being the leading receiver in the Big Twelve? We really need to stop glazing. We need to stop glazing guys. Like Luther Burden. Come on, Kentucky Wildcats. I'm um, <laughs> got I got baited.
0: With Arizona, uh, you know, with what with, with Brent Brennan's heading into. I mean, Arizona has been such a weird situation. They could not, they simply could not afford to pay Jed Fish more money. They just couldn't because they've got this awkward situation. I don't know if it's gonna lead to criminal charges, but $240 million they somehow accounted for, misaccounted for. What does that mean? They never had the money. Somehow, somewhere, somebody budgeted $240 million. Somebody looked at the budget and said, we don't have that money. Um, So that university is in a whole heap of pain right now. Um, And Brent Brennan seems to be at least a guy who can do a lot with a little. But if he can maintain and keep those two guys around, that would be something else. I don't know. Let's see here. I'm going to slowly start wrapping this up, but I want to allow, let's see here, UF fan, 1962. Um, let me go ahead and let you up here. Sorry about that. Um, let one last person up here, and then we can slowly start wrapping this up. UFN 1962, what is going on?
3: Hey, it's uh, UFN 1962. I kind of agree. I think Montana Lemonius Craig is going to be an all-star breakout player next season. And for
0: All right, well, that's a good one. So I think on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. This was RCFB Talk 176. I'm Bob Akairi. It's always good talking to you on Tuesday nights. We do these. Um, It's an opportunity to talk about college football. I'm not sure if next week we'll have quite as much that has happened. Maybe we'll figure out who's the new head coach at San Jose State, South Alabama, and Buffalo. I'm sure you're all antsy to know that. But um, we'll see what goes on. So on behalf of all of us at RCFB, thanks for listening. Now I'm going to hang up and listen.